knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Alright everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast. And in this episode, we have Dylan from Onyx. Again, we've had him on before a couple times and has really walked us through quite a bit of the Onyx features and some different things. This episode, we're kind of talking a little bit of some hunting, a little bit of Onyx, a little bit of some of their new tools, uh, some good stories in there, and some things that we had learned from our season. Prior to recording this i hadn't listened to or watched the episodes that dylan refers to on youtube and i've now since gone and watched those uh on youtube watching him and the hushman crew going on some hunts or a hunt on the kodiak for a lot of cross fox they were hunting which is kind of cool and then also hunting blacktail so that was kind of a cool uh kind of real hunt i could see myself and a few guys having a very similar hunt look kind of a like a just an average dudes kind of hunt and uh so that was kind of cool to see where guys were going out working hard and and shooting probably what i would come home with just some average bucks so that was pretty neat and uh kind of cool to see them get get excited about going and shooting fox and you're going to Alaska and I totally would be the guy that would be getting excited about shooting some fox as well. So that was pretty, a pretty neat little, uh, thing that in the, in that episode or in those episodes, cause it was many, but we'll get Dylan on again, uh, in the future, we'll talk just some hunting. And if, uh, you guys have questions for him at all or Onyx, it, please, please share those and let me know what you, what you think. So, uh, here's Dylan Dawson with Onyx. All right, Dylan, thanks for jumping on a third time with us from Onyx, and we appreciate all the info you've given us in the past on how to use our Onyx to the fullest and really learning some of those features, map tools, all the layers. Uh, I've definitely learned a lot, and now that I've got a full season under my belt with those, I found some really cool stuff and even, even some of those layers, uh, put me on some new properties like the Rocky mountain elk foundation, uh, pieces of property that don't show up really on any, any hunting atlas necessarily, or some of those things. So that's a, uh, it's definitely helped for sure. So appreciate having you. Yeah, no, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me back. Um, I know it's been a little while since we were able to sit down and chat um yeah quite a bit has 
has changed since then. Um, how did your first and foremost, how did your season end up going? Really good. Uh, had a amazing time in the back country, archery elk hunting in Colorado. Uh, got on the bulls right away, had five bulls within, uh, archery or 30 within 30 yards or so within the first day and a half. And, wow. uh, yeah, I was in a little pocket <laughs> and it was, even though that was September 1st and 2nd, they were talking, it was beautiful. I was one of two guys in this little spot that we've got and it was great and then it shut off <laughs> so i think shut I, off I, quick, huh? yeah and i now am sold on a couple of things that are going to really help in the future uh ultimate predator decoys are the yes, bow mounted thing yeah i have one of those i uh tested it out this year for the the first time you're talking about the ones with yeah, I know it is where it's got the the hole in the middle, so you yep. kind of shoot through the center of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I bought one of those uh, for it's a whitetail one for South Dakota, and I got it just a little too late. That would have killed me a deer here too. But the I, I had I was hunt, hunting by myself, and I know they were hanging up because I didn't see anything, and I couldn't call, and I'm just getting pinned down, and I know that I could have had something present a shot, and then when my buddy got in there it shut down and Colorado had that 14 inches of snow in the beginning of September. And then they just never came back alive. And it was like, well, now that was my seven day hunt, but ended up at the end of the season, uh, having a, getting a nice little young Raghorn bull, uh, that my buddy called in. We he used a bunch of Remy Warren's tactics and put up like three Montana decoys and tried to pull these bulls off a of private. And we were pulled one of the small bulls off and and uh made a nice shot on him and um yes. had a got a really cool antelope in eastern colorado he's got his 13 inch goat and in the but his one horn lays way down to the right and is all goofy uh so without onyx i never would have got that for sure because it was all private so i was driving around using white pages and some weird app to get people's information and their phone numbers and yep. looking at finding the name on onyx and then just like calling these people in california illinois wherever they lived and got on there and then had a had a good hunt uh also in eastern colorado uh for uh plains mule deer um so those are the three i was successful on but uh you awesome. you've had quite a year uh i know yeah. that for sure as far as getting married and uh you shot a stellar bull in the last year and, and probably another one yet uh, this year and i you were in alaska too i think and yeah it was it was a busy year for sure um another great season as far as you know just numbers number of hunts and you know tags i punched it was probably probably my best season in that standpoint um started off kind of the same exactly the same as your elk season honestly uh opening day here in montana super early in september you know you always go out and you dream of getting into a rut fest right off the bat but it's like eh, we'll go you know maybe hear a few bulls sound off um starting to stretch the vocal cords and you know get get going with the rut but i um was with a buddy who actually filled his tag shot a nice six point within the first like 15 minutes of light um oh wow and i got a in reach message from him I was in the next drainage over, so I actually hiked up and over to go 
help him recover and pack his bull out. And in doing so, I walked into like seven bulls just going absolutely crazy. Um, so it's kind of the same, you know, and uh, actually I screwed up an opportunity on opening morning on a bull. Um, should have had him, but it didn't quite work out, work out. But, um, you know, and, and it, I kind of chuckle, as you mentioned, that decoy having that for a few of, of those times because after that hunt you know the next couple of weeks i hunted solo a few times and i called in three different bulls i think it was that would you know i was calling them in in uh some openish timber where where you could see them from about 80 yards to 100 yards and they could see you and that's what happened exactly every time you know i would be calling look up and a bull standing there at 80 yards just staring right my direction um and i wasn't utilizing that decoy the way that I should, it's, it's new to me this year. And I, you know, had it on my pack for certain situations, but I wasn't putting it up every, every calling sequence. And there's a few of those times where I was kicking myself because, you know, that bull was staring right at me. And if you would have had something to look at, I think he, you know, would have came in another 30, 40 yards and presented himself. But uh, yeah, I ended up um, shooting a bull, small, smaller five point this year. Um, and then, Went over to, went up to Kodiak um, with the Hushin guys and went and did a, a Kodiak Sitka blacktail hunt. So we were up there for about a week and a half, did some fishing and then some hunting. It was incredible. First time I've ever been to Alaska. So yeah, it was pretty surreal just kind of soaking it all in. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get back up there. It's, it's amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I came back and finished it off with Montana meal deer and, had a few other hunts in between, bear, a few bear hunts, one in Washington, one here in Montana. Um, so yeah, it was it was a busy year, but a great one. No kidding. Yeah, that's a that's a hunt of a lifetime going up there to Alaska. I, I will do it at some point. Got a. Uh, I just don't know my approach yet as to if yeah. you want to go up you there know, and kind of fish first, and then just check out the area, and then come back another so, time on a hunt. Or, what we did, um, I'll just give a, a real quick brief overview of what we did and feel free to yourself or anybody listening. Um, it's all documented on the Hush channel, Hush and YouTube, um, under the, the Kodiak series. But we went up, uh, flew into Anchorage, and then we drove to Homer, um, which is, I think it was about three hours or so. Um, we fished for two days, and then we drove back to Anchorage, flew from there to Kodiak, so when we were on Kodiak, we were just pretty much hunting. Um, you know, a few guys wet a line here or there. Um, but since we were able to fish for two days and kind of get that out of our system, the whole whole week in Kodiak was dedicated to hunting. And I would really recommend it. You know, you're there a couple more days. So it could be, you know, a little bit more expensive in the sense of if you're doing motel rooms for a few nights or something in Homer. Um, and then obviously you've got the... Uh, the boat charter for fishing but you know i going into this i think i found out that i was going to kodiak like three months prior to us leaving um it was you know kind of a work opportunity that that came up um but prior to that you know it's one of those i i've always wanted to get to alaska i knew i would get to alaska but it was like it seemed like the barrier of entry was just almost too big so you know in my mind back of my mind i'm thinking well within the next you know five to 10 years, I'll, I'll get to Alaska. I'll figure it out. Um, well, like you said, you know, I got married last year. We've got one on the way this year and, you know, just 
life never really it doesn't slow down. down and yeah it doesn't slow down so my recommendation to anybody and you too would just be just do it you know once we went up and did it like the logistics and the planning and even the expenses it's not near as as bad as one thinks really um and having went and done it in my mind i'm like why didn't i do this you know three four years ago because it's it's not as challenging as as i was making it out to be um you know the biggest barrier of entry would be the cost you know but something like a sitka blacktail on kodiak it uh it's not near what what the expense is for some of those other hunts so yeah it's it was easier than i expected um and i yeah i cannot wait to get up there and do it again it was a blast yeah now when i first started talking about it that was before they doubled the price of non-resident tags so yeah missed that opportunity and then right now I, i don't know about airline flights if they're still but it was cheap as dirt to fly anywhere. So, uh, I don't know if that's still the case. I haven't looked at them in a while, but it was. See, so yeah. It's... And as for the cost breakdown, um, the hush guys did a, a really good job. We actually just did a podcast with them, with the, uh, the boat captain where we talked about logistics and pricing and everything, but they actually, uh, threw together a spreadsheet. I'm pretty sure for costs and everything. So you can find that there. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it was, manageable for sure price wise and just an incredible trip um first time i've ever hunted blacktail too which those are a very very interesting deer to hunt it's it was pretty cool huh yeah i'll have to like we were saying before we hit record is as we're both getting behind on our podcasts uh, i'm making my way through youtube as well and and definitely have subscribed with hush and and gonna, I'll have to go check that episode. I'm behind on that that one as well. Working working yeah. my way through John Dudley's series of stuff. Yeah, there's oh, just, nice. there's just so much good content on there that yeah, you don't even need. I don't even want TV or anything. I just, <laughs> just YouTube's good enough. It's got all this stuff. And um, yes, I'm behind on news. I don't have a clue what's going on in the world, but <laughs> I know what's going on in the hunt world. <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't had TV in uh, a few years too, so I'm kind of a podcast and YouTube type of person as well. So I don't blame you. Yeah, and on those decoys, I'll tell you what: if you're you're looking into any whitetail or or a mule deer one, the the mule deer look at the whitetail decoy just a little differently. <laughs> so you definitely, really? yeah, yeah. That I had some mule deer does kind of uh, looking at it like I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And really? I had a, and I had a whitetail buck that just stared me down forever and ever and ever. Like I know he would have taken off had I not had that decoy. So I yeah I I, I I know in western South Dakota here where we have a mix of whitetail and mule deer, the whitetail are a touch more aggressive, and they can be uh, out compete a little bit some of those mule deer. So the mule deer kind of get pushed out of areas or. Um, whatnot so i think that's that same kind of sometimes you see them running together like nothing but they just looked at it different like don't come too close interesting yeah that's a good a good tip i actually so i met danny ferris i believe is his name with uh excuse me with that company uh, a couple years ago at a trade show i think out in portland um but i actually have i think i've got the cow elk one um the whitetail one that you can convert to a whitetail buck and the antelope one. I was really excited to use the antelope one this past season, but uh, 
I ended up not drawing a tag here in Montana for the first time in a long time. Um, they didn't have any leftover tags. So I put in for rifle, didn't draw the rifle tag like I expected. And then I was going to buy a leftover, but they ran out of those. So I didn't get to use the the antelope one. Um, but yeah, I'm, huh. I'm excited to uh, put those things to the test and, you know, rely on them a little bit more. I think I was a little hesitant this year to use them with some of the, the elk hunts. Um, but I had it on my backpack and I'm going to start, start using it. And, uh, I've heard nothing but great things about them. Yeah. I used just a Montana with my antelope this year and I, it was a rifle season. So I was a little nervous, but I was on some private, <laughs> but just kind of yeah. picked it up, flashed it. And I put it down for a little bit and, uh, the wind was howling and I, Actually, and I was looking back, I had uh, antelope on three sides of me, and I looked back and uh, at these ones coming and then looked forward. It's like, oh, shoot, that big buck's coming. He's coming to run me <laughs> off. Holy crap, he's coming in. <laughs> and yeah. I, uh, trying to hold that big broadside Montana decoy, my bipod, my rifle, he ran into like 80, under 100 yards, maybe 80, and I had a hard time pulling the trigger because that decoy was moving me and I was like this is yep. 80 yards this is a chip shot and I backed off of the trigger like three times and finally just settled in and if it weren't for having like a light Timney trigger on my at six I wouldn't have shot and it finally just like surprised me shot and he dropped right there it was fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Super cool. Nobody saw yeah. it except me. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, no, I know those, those big ones can become... Uh wind sails sometimes and i've used um even the elk ones the montana decoy i've had some success calling by myself setting up a, a cow decoy and i've had a bull come in you know right to 20 yards and basically smell the dang thing um he did seem a little confused when he walked beside it and uh it went from 3d to you know <laughs> 2d and he couldn't see it for a second but yeah. uh, he was a younger younger bull thankfully and not quite as old and wise as some of the other ones I was trying to get in. So it ended up working out, but yeah. Well, so I I brought you on not to talk about decoys, but uh, to talk about (laughs) Onyx, it it doesn't matter. It's it. Dre and I have been talking about uh, for this kind of off season, talking about getting more hunting stories in too, as well, just to keep people hyped up for the season. So that fit perfectly. But For sure. uh, Onyx has a couple of new things in the works that, that I see are out there, and, and the timing is good. And so before we jump into those, it would, I think it'd be valuable to know that there's the uh, member benefits chunk to before you log into anything on the Onyx page. I, I did that last night. I was clicking in there, and, and you can click, and there's member benefits there. Uh, what's there? Yeah, so the elite member benefits is uh, it's it's a relatively new program, um, and we started it for for a few different reasons, but really to give the elite members, um, you know, just more value, more more 
uh, whether it be a platform that we give free access to that we'll dive into here in a second for the two main ones there, um, but some discounts with some of the, the industry companies that we at OnX work with, and then a lot of them that our ambassadors throughout the industry work with as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's for the elite members. And if anybody, you know, is new to OnX, um, we've got two membership levels. There's the premium, which gives you a single state uh, membership. So your state of choosing, um, you'll be able to see on your, your phone when you download the app, you know, the private public land boundaries, the game management units, the, as you said earlier on, you know, uh, tidbits of information like the where the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation um, access layer is and just all sorts of different stuff for for a single state um the elite membership is essentially the same thing but for all 50 states so you've got nationwide coverage for property bound owners the landowner's name tax address um you know all the the public lands are broken out to state um blm forests etc uh, you know, all, all that we have to offer for all 50 states. But now on top of that is this elite member benefits. So if you log in with your your email address that you have the elite account for, now you can get discounts to like Vortex Optics. Um, you know, there's a handful of, of different company ones in there. But the two main ones that, that we'll probably chat through today is we are, we're actually giving free access. So it, it's not a discount. It's um completely free, free access to both Hunt and Fool uh, and Top Rut. So for Hunt and Fool, it's their digital membership. And then Top Rut, it's their peak membership. Um, and kind of the, if people aren't familiar there, so Hunt and Fool has everything research and planning um, in the Western Western key states. So they've got an online e-magazine that every month they're putting in you know, relevant data per per timeline. So if Montana is draw application deadline is say next month, this month and the months prior leading up to it would be jam-packed full of helpful information for Montana, any changes this year, what people should know, a lot of really good insight information in that. You know, it's not just uh, another hunting magazine. You know, they do have some, some really cool stories in there. Um, so, you know, in that aspect, there's, Lots of good stories and pictures and stuff to keep people entertained, but it's it's jam-packed full of super helpful information that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, and then they do a lot with application research. They have a, a tag holder list, a previous tag holder list. So if I draw an out-of-state tag in, say, Wyoming, and I'm not familiar with the unit, never stepped foot there, you know, I, I need to start e-scouting and planning. Well, through Hunt and Fool, I can get access to a, a previous tag holder list for that same unit. Um, and I can reach out to folks that have had that tag, you know, see what their experiences are, see if they have any information they're willing to share, you know, where to camp or not to camp, et cetera. Um, so there's a lot more that goes into the Hunt and Fool digital membership that we can dive into. But that's kind of a, a brief overview of a few of the, the main things with it. And then Top Rut is another... Another program that we're offering the free membership to with the elite membership, and um, that one is more center, centered around draw odds and filtering. So, you know, for different Western states, I can look and see what my draw odds are and 
Colorado for mule deer for select units with three points and uh, so on and so forth there. You can do some advanced filtering with that system. Um, and they have a lot of hunting stats. So, you know, harvest stats um, from previous years to help you figure out where you want to apply. So really with Onyx, Hunt and Fool, and Top Rut now, you know, it, especially in these application seasons in the, the springtime, winter and springtime here, you know, I'm using all three of those Onyx to, to look up the game management units and visually see, you know, where the private public is, see how much public is in a unit, um, you know, my type of hunting. So if I'm the type of hunter who wants to hike in, you know, four miles and four or five miles and set up a base camp, I'm going to be looking at different units that have, then have a lot of, you know, road access and stuff. So I'm using Onyx for that, Huntful for the uh, research end of it, and then Top Rut to figure out my draws. Yeah. And like you were saying, now's a really good time to get rolling with that. I, I screenshotted Huntful and posted that day two days ago as a i'm almost late to the game already on and i had it in the back of my mind what i wanted to be doing over this next year but now it's go time i really gotta gotta figure this out because march 8th or so in colorado somewhere in there i know uh applications open and they're due april 6th uh a lot of a lot of states have really early um you guys have a really early elk right tag that you got so where or your you know it used to be it used to be like march 15th it's now april 1st for elk and oh, deer okay okay um so it's not too bad but oh, we're no. and i know that off the top of my head because we're actually working right now with hunting fool on creating um a blog and an email to convey all of these application deadlines there's i mean there's a lot of information here and if you had to go to each specific state agency and you know do the research yourself i mean it's it's challenging enough to uh go from state to state you know montana fish wildlife and parks to wyoming to a colorado to an idaho and even be able to navigate their websites because they're all so different that anywhere like this with hunting fool where they you know they do all that research for you you know they'll compile all the dates throw all the the links in and just put it in one easy to read place and so we're working with Hunt and Fool to uh, basically mirror the work that they did there on our channel. Um, so we'll send out an email and, and create a blog with kind of a an easy to read um, table, if you will, for each state and species and the the deadline. Because I know a lot of guys. I've been the guy who's missed an application deadline that I was, you know, planning on putting in for, and then you get busy and life comes up and all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, I missed Wyoming elk draw or application. So yeah. we're uh, working on that right now. But um, yeah, I mean, pl- places like hunting full, it's just, it's super helpful. I mean, it's, they're kind of doing what we do at Onyx for the mapping, you know, I mean, as far as the, the private lands, yeah, sure. You could go down to your, your um, courthouse and, you know, look through plat books and figure out who owns what, but it's going to take hours and hours of your your time and research, and then you're still not going to be able to see, you know, where you're at on the map in relation to those boundaries. So, you know, we we compile all that, we do all the the heavy lifting, and then just provide it to folks with uh, the app. So, in a, in a sense, they're kind of doing the 
something similar, um, but for all this information that's out there. Yeah, I do love to dive into even even using some of these. I do love to still go into to look even further into some of their deep down stats and whatever else. But for for getting a, the start and to get some of the even to help narrow it down, I uh, I'm excited to try and fig- use these to figure out what what I'm going to be doing. Cause I, I did miss an application already period, uh, here in South Dakota. Yeah. But it wasn't my fault. Cause I, <laughs> I, uh, moved here November 24th. It's 30, uh, 90 days before you're a resident, which is really good. It's only three months. And I got my driver's license yesterday. So that puts me at 93 days. So today I could apply and I missed the spring Turkey application, uh, which was last week. And paddlefish. Paddlefish is like, I I freaking love paddlefish fishing. It's so much fun. Yeah, I I, I grew up in eastern Montana, um, in Glendive actually, and we, you know, I don't quote me on this, but it's always been referred to as paddlefish capital of the world, right north of of Glendive there. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's uh, a trademark that that we hung on to, or if it is in fact one of the better places <laughs> to go paddlefishing, uh-huh. but. Um, yeah, growing up, we would go, go paddle fish out of the Yellowstone there. Um, I'm in Western Montana now in Missoula. I moved out here when I started working for Onyx, um, and haven't actually been back to paddle fish since, but yeah, I'm very familiar. Yeah. The, the Missouri has some amazing fishing in, and on the Nebraska, South Dakota border, it's, it's not bad, but it's fished a lot in the, the they're not quite as big. It's hard to find one in the slot because you have to you can only keep one in a certain slot. And then uh, there's a resident-only season further up the river that uh, I got to do it the very first year there was a season, and I was super pumped to pull out a 63-pounder, which in now that has is nothing. I mean, there's guys catching some some 99. I think the state record's 136-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah. Big. Yeah, there's, there's always a couple of giants getting caught. Yeah, that's that's unreal. So, I, uh, go ahead. I've caught a, real quick, I've caught a couple in the 60, 70, but the, uh, the best one I've caught, I caught like a 23-pounder, but in the, I hooked it in the back of the tail. Oh, that yeah. thing fought like it was 180 pounds. I swore that was going to be a, a state record, and it came in with just a, a little guy. I, I always uh, refer to them. It's like setting the hook on it because you snag them, and it's usually setting the hook on like a on a rock, but the rock pulls oh, yeah. back. That's what yep. what it totally feels like, and it's just pulling and pulling, and your your obliques are done for the day afterwards, <laughs> and the next day is kind of painful unless you're you prepped for it. Yeah. Uh, so I actually have never used a program uh, before to to research my tags and everything, uh, and that's just one because I'm a cheapo. But also I I've I'm, haven't really hunted many other states until now. I'm branching out some more uh, to about three states a year, and at least applying for, and so. I'm a noob, just like a lot of every, a lot of everybody else, and really now I'm excited about having this elite membership. I, it was really nice having it. I liked it because they drive through Wyoming. Oh, let me check on what that is, where that's at. Uh, it was really nice, but now uh, 
there's other features that go along with it. So I can see for sure, uh, strategy wise, marketing wise, why you guys are offering that as a heck. Yeah. I want the, that's all I want now is the elite membership of these other benefits. So that's, that's a, that's a good strategy. <laughs> to, yeah. To, uh, and you know, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, I was born and raised in Montana and I've never moved out. So Montana right now, you know, we, we just have so much opportunity for, long seasons for multiple you know we can hunt so many different species in montana as a resident and uh you know it's just it's easy so for the longest time i didn't even think about applying applying for out-of-state tags and even now sometimes it's you know until i shoot my bull in montana what you know why go to, to idaho type situation so you know i'm in kind of the same boat but the more that i've even for those guys, what I'm getting at is the more that I've looked into um, both Top Rot and Hunt and Fool, and I know a couple guys at Hunt and Fool um, that are extremely knowledgeable, even in their home state. And they're pulling, you know, moose, sheep, and goat tags pretty consistently. I mean, more, way more consistently than other folks, um, you know, for themselves and their kids and stuff. And it's like, there's got to be more to it. So, even in your home state, there's a lot more. What I'm finding out is there's a lot more that a, a person can do for strategy for like applications. You know, you can put in for the same unit for moose, sheep, or goat and never draw it. But if you stay up to speed on some of the changes and look at the, the draw odds by using top right, and you know, you might only be going from a half a percent to 1.2%. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you've got a lot better odds there. So, you know, that's kind of what I've been finding is using both Top Rut and Hunt and Fool, even in my home state of Montana. You know, I can be a lot more strategic and get a lot more out of it than what I typically have been doing. Um, um, and it was kind of a, it was an eye opener for sure. I would echo that for sure. Like just straight up doing research. And I, I always have those conversations with the one season hunters or or people that are don't quite hunt as much as me or they don't dive into it as much and though there's a lot of folks that i've chatted with that complain about i didn't draw this is bull crap i haven't drawn in three years like well that's on you mainly mostly or you yep. should almost in colorado a true preference point state minus the goat moose goat sheep which is different uh you should know for the most part or you or if you at least have a chance and then on top of that through doing some more research you can find tags you can find leftovers that are that are cool yeah. i've shot great animals on leftover tags uh you can find those good things and that's i'm just speaking one state wyoming and montana are, i'm sure the same and doing more than just the they got their primary draw and secondary draw in colorado utilizing that and utilizing leftover lists and and really diving into the stats for sure can increase your opportunity. And yeah, I, I hate it to see. I picked up a, a tag off of the leftover list here, which was a really good uh, pick. The It took somebody three points to draw it, and it got reissued. And I picked it up off the leftover list because I was quick about it. Some mm -hmm. A couple of non-residents dropped 19 points on that tag. 19 Ooh. and 17 points. And I picked it up off the leftover and it's like, wow, you just wasted 19 years of points, which that 
That's tag. Of money. Oh yeah, and that tag normally would be like a six, seven, eight point tag. Why on earth would you go there and waste 19 points when you could have went and hunted in like the Gunnison Basin somewhere or, and had a really great hunt? I, I, I just drives me nuts. And you never know their story as a what's happening in their life, but yeah, yeah. that hurts. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like we were talking about life is busy. There's a lot of things going on and, you know, sometimes it's really hard to keep up on, you know, all of those changes and stuff. And, you know, even as simple as, you know, I've been applying for moose sheep and goat in Montana, dreaming of, of drawing that once in a lifetime tag. Well, if I'm up on my, my end of things and I know a certain unit just added one more goat tag in it this year because population is doing good. If a lot of other guys don't know that and I apply for that, that unit, even though it's one, one extra, you know, tag they're giving out that just spiked my odds by a lot. Um, you know, so certain things like that, that, you know, it's hard to keep up on and know every little ins and outs of every, every unit, um, and the changes and everything. But honestly, that's why having the digital membership for hunting fool and the, the, you know, the information through top rut for your draw odds for those units, it's crucial. Cause then you don't really, you know, yes, it's still great to do your own research and, you know, read up on things and be as well-versed as you can be, but they're doing so much of that legwork and they're giving their, their members that information that, you know, if that's all you have, like you're going to be so much farther ahead of the rest of the population when you go to um, submit applications and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And, you know, from on standpoint, it's it's something that we have realized our our users or a, a good percentage of our users would would utilize for quite a while now and uh you know we started looking into it and it's like well instead of us you know pulling resources away from doing what we do as far as the mapping side of it goes and and learning and you know create looking at creating some of this stuff ourselves let's just partner with you know the best in the business for for the research end of it and for the draws and then just provide it to our, our elite members. So it's kind of a, it's a win-win. That's a big tip, knowing the changes in the allocation. And if those programs do that, that's a pretty big deal. Um, it, even if it were not an increase, we're a decrease. And then, oh yeah, yeah, yep. that, that would be really good to know. And <clears throat> something I guess I'm not doing. So that's what's probably going to take me to the next level is making sure I'm paying attention to that knowing what the changes are. So, uh, yeah, good, tip, I, good tip. I didn't know that, um, a while ago and I'd been applying for literally the same mountain goat unit in Montana year in and year out, because you know, that's one of the hardest takes. So it's gotta be the best hunt. Right. And, uh, you know, just kind of got stuck in my ways and up. Nope, this is where I apply every year. Didn't really do research. Well, a couple of years back, they cut the tag, like the number of tags that they gave out, like, substantially and i didn't really find that out until after and it's like well i mean i already didn't have a chance going into it but especially with them cutting the tags like you know that was just a waste of of money really to uh not necessarily money because as a resident you get it back but um you know waste of a year applying applying for that unit not knowing that they had cut the tags back so yeah, I've, oh, yeah. I've kind of been uh, trying to keep on that up on that as much as possible. Or, you know, they they create a whole new unit for something. 
a lot of the times the first year or so, a lot of people don't know about those things. So, yeah. you know, if you, uh, if you can get a leg up that way, you might get, you know, draw something with far less points than you should have, um, just because you're, you're well-versed and, and researched in, you know, new game management units and stuff. There's a, a unit I know of for sure in Colorado for goat that I was watching and doing all my research on and noticed that. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Some years it was 100%. One year it was 100%. And then most years it was 0%. So if you didn't know the first success, I mean. So mm-hmm. uh, if you didn't know that success rate, and you were just kind of going off a of draw odds or, and, and everything there in diving into those stats, that would probably be one of those really disappointing hunts because you just cannot find goats or because, and I think that specific unit was so weather dependent based on what yep. was happening where they, you couldn't access where those goats are, or, uh, whatever the scenario is. I never went and checked it out, but that one, that whole unit, I just scratched off my list and said, that's, way too dependent on too many things i don't it's an easier tag to draw but there's a reason for it so that was not a hunt that i wanted to blow points on so knowing those stats kind of can save you points and make it a make it the hunt or not the hunt you want and maybe that's the hunt someone's going for that i i know i can get into this place so yeah i some units too i know uh, a few folks who have drawn some bison tags here in montana and if you don't you know if you just kind of willy-nilly apply for this bison unit you don't realize that you need horses to be able to access it because you have to it's something like i mean i'm probably going to butcher the number but it's something like 26 odd miles that you have to get in before you can start hunting bison what are you going to do with 25 miles with a (laughs) yeah you know and it's like you know, if you don't know that, you look and you're like, sweet, I drew a bison tag. And then you realize it's like, okay, well, now I got to hire a packer because even just to get in there is is difficult enough, let alone if you shoot a bison back in there. There's, you know, 0% chance you're taking that thing out on your back. So, you know, okay. now you got to hire folks. And some people are set up for hunts like that and some aren't. Um, so, there, yeah, there's just a lot that goes into into um applications for you know whether it be for moose sheep goat um bison or just deer elk antelope you know and and that's where using the three tools you know on extra all the mapping planning using 3d um at your your house to look at the unit and everything and then in the field mapping and then hunting fool for you know their e-magazine um you know i've got a list in front of me here for for what their digital membership offers. So e-magazine previous tag holder list that we talked about, um, they've got a huge list of endorsed outfitters. Um, so if you draw a tag or, you know, if you're looking to go on a guided oh, yeah. outfitted hunt, um, you know, if you're going to say Wyoming and you want to hunt wilderness, um, 
you know, you got to have an outfitter or be with a resident. Um, so, you know, they've got great list of endorsed outfitters. They do a ton of hunt giveaways, um, draw cost calculator. So, you know, you can figure out roughly what, what the cost is going to be for some of these hunts. Um, lots of great information on their podcast and YouTube. Um, and you know, they encompass, encompass the draw odds there as well. So really for that digital membership, you're, you're getting a lot of different stuff. And then, so between Onyx, them, and then top rep for, you know, figuring out your, your draw odds and your likeliness to, to actually draw that tag. Um, you know, it's kind of the whole, whole kit. So let's just say you have you don't have it planned, but you want to do a Colorado, Northwest Colorado region uh, mule deer hunt for this coming year, and that's all you got. What is your what is your kind of steps using these tools to, uh, in general? Obviously, we could talk about that for a day and a half, but yeah, what uh, what's your steps in general to utilizing those tools, and what would what would your process be through that? For sure. So um, that's actually, you know, I haven't dove into the process yet, but I, I do have, I think I've got one, I only have one Colorado point um, for mule deer, but I might try and do a Colorado this year. Um, so what I would do is I would first start with probably, I would probably, you know, there's 18 different ways to, uh, to go about this, yeah, but I would yeah. probably start with um, pulling up on X on my computer so I can get a bigger, bigger visual making sure the meal deer units are the game management units that are showing um, just so I can visually kind of see landscape topography, um, the units. Um, Cause I'm not, you know, I've never hunted Colorado. I'm not very familiar with their units. Um, so just to kind of visually see where the units are, where the private and public is, um, you know, then I'll be able to see like specific units if they're say 80% private i'm you know not going to be interested there because access is going to be difficult etc and then i would uh jump in top rut um log in go to colorado mule deer and then the nice thing about top rut too is you can uh there's all sorts of different filtering options so i would put in okay i've got one bonus point you can choose your minimum draw percent so I can slide that bar over and say, okay, I want a 50%, you know, draw tag, or I could go, I really want to hunt Colorado this year. Only show me the tags that are, you know, 80% and higher for my one bonus point. Um, I would choose the non-resident status um, for your residency. And then you can also choose like a date range for your hunt start dates and, and stop. So, that there you can choose um, a minimum percentage of public land. So if I wanted a unit that's 60%, at least 60% public, um, I just slide that over to 60%. And then what weapon I want to do. So if I'm, you know, wanting to do an archery hunt, I'll just select that rifle hunt, muzzleloader hunt, etc. cetera. Um, so with, with those filters, you know, it, it narrows it down from a lot of different units to, you know, maybe three, four, you know, five, whatever it is, depending on how picky you want to get, you know, with your minimum draws, et cetera. So then I'd probably cross-reference, you know, get the list of units, see what the, the draw odds are for those, and then 
go right back to on X, um, looking at where the units are. So then I would probably mark waypoints on all of those units that showed up. So if there's five different units, I would throw a waypoint on in the center of each one of those, just so I know visually where they're at. And honestly, just by looking at the map, especially in 3d, I'd probably be able to, you know, kind of narrow it down. Um, but then I would jump into hunt and pool and, uh, see what information they have on each one of those units. Um, and really, I mean, just dive in, you could spend, you can spend hours and as you said, days and days just on that information alone. Um, see what units produced last year, see where, um, you know, just what any information, any and all information that they have based on those select units and kind of just start to narrow it down. Obviously, it's huge if you know anybody personally who has, you know, or through your connection who has hunted, you know, a unit before. And that's where if you don't, you know, Hunt and Fool has that um, previous tag holder list. So, you know, I could try and reach out to a few people who have drawn a few of those tags and just see if they're willing to provide any information um, and just kind of go from there, narrow it down, probably figure out my best draw odds and, uh, and get that application in. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, kind of a long winded answer that could take a couple days. As you said, we could really dive into the weeds, but um, yeah, just kind of cross-referencing backing or bouncing back and forth between those three programs. You're going to, what seems extremely daunting at first is going to be narrowed down and then narrowed down again. And then you're going to have, you know, a few select units that you're, you're looking at to apply for. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, if I'm wanting to do a backpack type hunt, or if I'm wanting to car camp, you know, looking at Onyx and the road systems and the access, you know, it's, it's going to become probably pretty apparent which one's going to be best. Yeah. And I know that was a, a loaded question, but it, uh, uh, and we all do things differently in how our process of, of starting our tag research, but, the just giving some of us that, that confidence to start digging, to know that I think those yeah. uh, first few steps that you give are really, really important. And I think we could, we could all use those as a, a great place to start with what's the train even look like is cause you'll, you'll want to know that Northwest region is really the high desert. And if you're really wanting to do one of the high Alpine early season archery deer hunts, that's not the place to go. You're going to want to hit more central uh, Colorado, or I think Southwest area has some of that as well, but, uh, or maybe it's a plains deer that you're wanting to go after. Just doing some, some, research or using onyx on that you would get to see some of that terrain and realize first off what kind of hunt you want to have and what kind of terrain because i think that that really sets the tone and why i chose a few prairie hunts this year it's like i really want to go chase some deer in the prairie uh someday yeah. i really want to do it above tree line uh other times i want to do it in the black hills where it's just these little dinky mountain whitetails that are just fun to chase and there's tons of them uh, it's just every hunt is so different. It's like going down to Arizona to do their OTC hunt or, um, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, I, I think that is a really good place to start in choosing what, what the, what kind of terrain you're wanting to hunt and then jumping into, well, do I even have a shot <laughs> at the yeah. Northwest region? I'll tell you right now, you're not drawing much for the 
far northwest corner of Colorado because that's definitely some of their more trophy units. But there are some tags in that re- region uh, that are worth checking out. And I know that the kind of the northern, northeastern corner of that and throughout that whole unit, that's where the highest density of deer are in the state for for mule deer so it's that's good to know and the trophy quality and uh, all of that yeah, there's yeah there's so many factors that go into it right like you know i'm i'm trying i'm sitting here trying to figure out if i'm going to do colorado this year um for for deer you know i i decided not to do wyoming for for elk this year like i was kind of thinking about you know mostly because i'm you know, we're starting family this year. I'm going to have a little bit less time this fall, et cetera. Um, there's so much that goes into it. It's like, do I, you know, what, what type of buck am I looking at down there? You know, is it going to be an experience hunt where I just want to go down and, and fill a tag on a, you know, a decent buck? Is that my goal? Or at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we, we've got pretty good deer hunting here in Montana. When I do end up going to Wyoming or Colorado for, meal deer i'm looking for something exceptional um you know because that just that alone like what the trophy quality the type of hunt you're you're looking for is going to dictate the units and you know you might get a tag every other year um if you're just going down there and you want to hunt colorado but uh you know if you're if you're really looking for something special and something different some guys might be okay you know holding on to their Wyoming points for, you know, six, eight plus years before applying. So yeah, there's, there's a ton of different factors that go into it. And now as a non-resident of Colorado, I have to strategically think about that a little bit more and having these tools are going to be a lot more important to me now because I'm not hunting after work. I'm not going and and living in the unit that I'm hunting or close by. So I'm going to not want to blow my points. I've got like four elk points. I don't know what I want to do with them. I do not want to wait 20 years for a great tag. There's a lot of really great pl- things for four to eight points. And I've got three, four deer points that I'm sitting on. And, and I don't think it's good to necessary to, to sit on deer points in Colorado. Cause we just have great yeah. bucks. There's great bucks, uh, yeah. around. So, um, now I'm at, at that point with a lot of my points where I need to strategize quite a bit and think about yeah, how I'm going to be using those just in time to move away uh, from there. I, I need to really dive into that. And um, But uh, when's the baby due? Yeah. Oh, let's see. We are moving into a new house in April and then um, May. So about a month after we move into a new place, we've got uh, a little one on the way. So May 18th is due date. Oh, man. Yeah. It'll be a busy spring. Yeah. We thought that, I thought that, you know, just with family planning, I thought that maybe we'd have a another one probably in that July, August, whatever. So September is like, well, I think I won't be going to Colorado this year to elk hunt. <laughs> and now that's not possible. So <laughs> to yeah. have a kid by then. So, uh, looks like I'm going back to Colorado to archery hunt this year. There so you I'm, go. Ex- I'm excited about that. And, um, but one, one thing while you're chatting with these, these folks at hunt and fool and top red, I did see South Dakota was on there and I know that, and, and there was even some on hunt and fool, there was some Iowa and some Eastern States. Uh, but, uh, Western South Dakota, 
is west. It is so west out here. It is it is just like hunting some of the a lot yeah, of portions black, of Wyoming and, and everything. So yeah, and and out yeah. in the prairie all the way to the Missouri, these rolling hills and prairie stuff. Uh, so any any help there to get more data within the yep. program there i'd appreciate it <laughs> no i will i'm actually talking to uh the hunting pool guys later this afternoon having a meeting with them to catch up so cool. yeah no i i agree and being from eastern montana um you know i it's very similar country to that eastern montana country in some ways it uh actually that western south dakota almost feels more west than eastern montana just because of you know the the pines and the black hills you guys have there it's it's pretty awesome country yeah i, I was driving up for work i was driving up along the belfouche river meeting landowners and because we're working on uh taking new hunters out and and the three r's is our my mission and what i do so I was meeting landowners awesome. and, and the number of deer in in this area we were at it's just unreal number of deers were, were crazy and i do want to plug a little thing quick that one landowner said told me he said i wish people were not afraid to knock on doors a landowner rancher with a ton of deer that wants a bunch of deer shot he said i wish people would knock on doors now there's a way to do it where you're not knocking on their door thanksgiving day uh, not yeah. doing it, uh, during the season in your orange, but he just wishes people would, would reach out and say, Hey, fix my fence a little bit. And he would grant permission. I know a name right now. I'm not going to share it, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. there's a lot of other guys out there that have tons of deer and they, you may have to go shoot, get the three doe tags in this one area or, um, go get, shoot some does before they let you shoot a buck but there's a lot of things out here where you can get multiple doe tags and then you can get a buck tag on top of that so um, yeah I, I i it's a lost art i think of people knocking on doors and it's an intimidating thing for sure like it's a it, it's a scary you know, it, thing it can be for sure i i always kind of grew up well where i grew up you know there's a lot of private a lot of ranches and we just knew a lot of people right so it was pretty easy to, to call somebody you know for permission but um i agree with you 100 percent. i think it's a lost art and i think yeah you might get quite a few no's but you're gonna get more yeses than what you think especially if you knock on the door like you said and you know you're courteous about it uh, you offer to help a hand if they need anything moved or to help with fence or you know anything like that but um you know i've been with several people and it's you know, that just get uncomfortable about asking permission. My theory is the worst that they're going to say is no, you know, I've never, if you approach them respectfully and, you know, just like a decent human, you're not going to get a door. Most of the time, you're not going to get a door slammed in your face or anything. The worst that they're going to say is no, or, you know, I've got family or we lease or anything like that. But um, I've gotten a lot of permission by knocking on doors. And honestly, since in the uh, in the app we have their tax address, there's been a few times where, you know, I can't find a house or a phone number or nobody's home. And I'll end up just going home and writing out a letter um, for permission. And almost 100 percent of the time that I've done that, I've gotten permission. I think, you know, sitting down and writing a handwritten letter asking permission to to access through or to hunt their property 
you know, it's, that's definitely a, a dying art. Nobody, you know, not, not very many people these days are writing a hand, handwritten letter. Um, so I'm almost batting a hundred percent for, uh, for, for taking that approach. Uh, that's a hot tip. Hot tip. Yep. <laughs> that's a pretty hot tip. So, uh, yeah, it, it well, works. I, I'm putting together, uh, for work, I'm putting together a little series two on that for, so again, some permission. We have a, uh, bounty program out here for, uh, egg, egg eating predators like coons and skunks and everything. So it, that goes through the summer. And so I'm going to document that, go out and try to find some landowners and not document me going up to the, the door, get putting a camera in their face isn't going to go over well, but a, yeah. <laughs> a, uh, just the, the process of knocking on a door and seeing what happens how many not doors I got to knock on there and I'll even add in that little letter of permission. So thanks for that little tip. Cause that's a, yeah, that's a good sure. one just to see, uh, if I can't find some permission to trap on and who knows, maybe later I'll be shooting a big old mule deer buck off of their property. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, trapping and just predator hunting, you know, if you go out and want to go call coyotes or something for something to do in the winter, um, you know, most of those ranchers, especially during calving season would, welcome that with open arms and they might not let you hunt deer or antelope or anything else but you know if you show up a few times and you you know are courteous and offer to help and you're you're coyote hunting you know you build that relationship um and who knows like you said a couple years down the road not only do you have a place to go predator hunting on or or whatever you want to do there but a couple years down the road you might have a, a good enough relationship that they do open the door for or something else. Um, and the, uh, the other thing too, you know, I've knocked on doors and I've had people landowners say, you know, Oh, I would, but last year I let a couple guys hunt and, you know, we had some issues with my neighbor because they didn't know the, the property boundary. Um, at which point I pulled up the app right away and it's like, you know, completely understand if you don't want to allow hunting. Um, I just wanted to let you know, you know, that we know exactly where we're at. I can see your property border and kind of point out on the map, you know, if like zoom in like, oh, over by that big oak tree over there. It looks like it's the, the corner fence. And, you know, I've, I've turned that around a handful of different times. Um, you know, there's still a few times that they may be not using that for an excuse, but that's just their reasoning and that's, that's okay. But there's been a few different times I can remember where they weren't going to allow permission. And then by me pulling out the app, showing them that I know exactly where we're at and where we can and can't go, it turns it around and they actually end up granting permission. So that's always a, a good, good backup there. If, you know, if a landowner has any doubts about, you know, people knowing their, their boundaries or anything. Yeah. And build that relationship is important for sure. Cause that's, that was a complaint I heard yesterday from landowners is that, they people a lot of hunters will talk a big game or the hunters from the big city coming into those areas they talk a big game about how they are this good hunter they can shoot straight whatever else but then they have issues of making bad shots on deer crossing a fence they're not supposed to leaving a gate open whatever that is so if you can prove to them through your trapping or your predator hunting or something like that that yeah i don't drive in fields i uh leave you a Christmas card. I do whatever, uh, left you a case of beer or whatever it is. Yeah. I fixed your fence. Then you've proven yourself there. 
so it's a lot of work, but yeah, uh, something definitely that that is uh, noticed. So you're you're not gonna definitely go shoot someone's big old 180 inch deer that visits their hay haystack <laughs> yeah. uh, every once in a while. But um, y- y- yeah, there's some tactics there to to follow. So, uh, oh, geez, hour on the money is what my, my recording <laughs> device says. So I don't want to take up any more of your time. And I appreciate you so much in, in sharing that. I've learned a lot. Wrote a couple of notes for myself with big old stars around it to help me <laughs> uh, do a couple of things to, to better my situation. So uh, good luck to you in your, your draws. And, and uh, as being a being a new dad that's exciting stuff and and uh, definitely will will change your life for the better for sure thank you yeah no i appreciate having me on we'll we'll have to just plan another one here soon and uh keep it keep it rolling and then i'm also gonna keep in touch with you on that colorado meal oh, yeah. beer is you, yep. uh, you definitely have some more insight there uh for a guy with one point that's looking at it so yeah we'll uh we'll have to uh you know, chat here soon and look at, you know, what you're doing and who knows, even maybe end up on a hunt one of these days. That'd be good. That'd be good. All right, Dylan, we'll have a good day and a good rest of your week. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.